Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Kathleen Wynn um, tried to buy our vote when she used minimum wage as the very policy she said would show that her government knew how to create fairness in the workplace and that would raise and help those struggling. But it was then widely predicted, not only, you know, would it not end up getting her party the votes, but it would ultimately not be considered fair. We've seen that it's crippled businesses, killed many, many jobs, and it was really essentially a policy created to play politics instead of address the actual problems the working poor face. And a new Fraser Institute report reveals 91% of minimum wage workers don't actually live in low-income families. That, in fact, the majority of minimum wage earners are teens or adults under the age of 25 who mostly live at home and attend school. So just 2% in this study are said to be single parents with young children. So I think what the study takeaway is that not only did the spike in a minimum wage not help poor people, it's actually helping those who don't need help while hurting businesses and cutting opportunities right across the board that could help a lot of people build skills. And those opportunities are not coming back. Charles LeMann was uh, on Kelly Cotrera's show earlier. He is with the Fraser Institute that did this study. And here he is on why he says it's doing more harm than good. You make it more expensive for employers to hire young and, 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 and inexperienced workers. And the effect of that is that they'll cut back on the jobs, the hours, the benefits uh, that they offer their uh, uh, workers, and they'll shift to things like automation uh, because the, the price of uh, labor has gone up. I want to bring in Pam Frack. She's the Ontario coordinator at Fight for $15 and Fairness. Good to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. Let's, you've heard my preamble and you've heard, you know, the study stats. What's your takeaway or what's your reaction to this particular study? Well, first of all, it's uh, once again, the Fraser Institute is relying on outmoded and outdated analysis and data. In fact, a Statistics Canada study that was published just last week shows that actually the proportion of minimum wage earners under the age of 25 is actually only 43% of the uh, of the population. And in fact, the vast majority of minimum wage earners are actually older than 25 are in the prime age of working conditions or in the prime age of their working lives. So again, the, the data that's cited by the Fraser Institute is, uh, is quite outdated. Now, the Statistics Canada data does refer to national, it's, it's nas- the national age distribution and it's on a national basis. But actually, if you were to apply it to Ontario, it would be undoubtedly capture even a, a, a larger pro- uh, proportion of the older workforce because, simply because the minimum wage is higher and because more people are working so close to the poverty line. Okay. And in fact, 
I was just going to say, it's not in fact true that there's been massive job losses. In fact, what has been happening is that part-time jobs have been displaced with full-time jobs, the sign of a healthy economy. And if you look at the measurement of hours worked, you'll find that it's been increasing uh, since the minimum wage has been increased in Ontario. And if you look at any jurisdiction around uh, North America where the wage has been increased to $15, what you see, in fact, is a steady decline in unemployment levels, higher numbers of hours of work, more people in employment and workers with more money in their pockets, exactly the effects that the Canadian economists predicted would take place. Okay, and so, look, you, you can't dispute the, the data from jobs uh, numbers that were released. I mean, 50,000 jobs alone were killed in January, Absolutely. and then we know in, in the following couple of months, another 7,000 jobs, and what we are hearing from, whether it be students or those looking for part-time work, they can't get a part-time work. And I know, I agree with you, more full-time jobs were, uh, were, were put forth, but it killed a lot of opportunity for those trying to get into the market. Well, actually, that's not accurate, and I'll show you what the Statistics Canada report actually said from that January report. In fact, uh, of course, there's always the seasonal drop in employment coming off the December holidays, but in fact, the employment data in Ontario grew by 140,000 jobs year over year, uh, and an actual improvement in the unemployment rate by almost 1%. And while there were slightly fewer part-time jobs, these jobs, uh, the number of full-time jobs were substantially outweighed by more than 150,000 new full-time jobs. And you would think that if the minimum wage were affecting joblessness, you would think that those sectors that rely most heavily on minimum wage earners would have been the hardest hit with job losses. Well, in fact, the evidence shows the opposite. In fact, in the accommodation and food services sector, where 60% of workers earn $14 an hour or less, there were actually 2,200 more jobs created in this sector in Ontario. So the the Fraser Institute is a corporate-funded research body. It is a mouthpiece for big businesses who do not want to pay their workers a decent wage. But what we know from talking to ordinary workers on the doorsteps, they're counting on a $15 minimum wage. They believe that Doug Ford was elected to defend the little people. They expect him to to deliver a $15 minimum wage. And, And if Doug Ford is serious about representing the majority of people in Ontario, he should heed that because the vast majority of people in Ontario support raising the wages asking profitable corporations to share their uh, to, to share their profits. I, I'm not well. Let me let me jump in because I'm not I'm not hearing the same uh, kinds of things. And and while you don't hear small businesses going out there and declaring anything because they don't want to be vilified like companies like Tim Hortons did, they don't speak publicly uh, because the bottom line is they're really struggling. They were waiting for this election to be over to find out which way the province was going to go. But a lot of them just simply said it's not worth expanding in this province anymore because it's simply too expensive labor costs on top of hydro costs. You know, if we didn't have the exorbitant hydro costs, the the minimum wage hike would not have created nearly, um, you know, the the rhetoric and the anger that we, we heard from businesses. But because they are trying to, to saddle both, they simply can't keep up. And I just, I'm not but hearing... Yeah, I'm sure you're not because the CFIB uh, is, is yet another corporate lobby group that speaks uh, most vocally on this matter. But if you well, they, they the speak evidence, for their they they do speak for their business members. I mean, it's the, they, 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 they they yes they they definitely speak. But let's look at the evidence. Public opinion polls that actually talk to small business owners. Uh, who and you're right. Many small business owners are nervous about going up against the CFIB 
because of the vilification they get from the business community, but 60% of small business owners not only support a $15 minimum wage, but a substantial minority believe it should be higher. And why is that? Because most small businesses already pay decent wages. The biggest users of minimum wage employees are the big profitable corporations with 500 or more employees. Those corporations are the ones that are funding this research and intimidating business owners from speaking up and saying what's really a problem, and that is the massive commercial rent increases that you don't hear the CFIB saying a peep over. You hear nothing from the Chamber of Commerce about, you know, doubling, tripling, quadrupling of rents that is driving small businesses out of business. But you're you're not factoring in costs like dental and all these other uh, uh, payroll tax costs that that the businesses have to to take care of themselves. I mean, you're just not factoring in any of those costs. But if you actually talk to small business owners, and I urge you to look at the Better Way Alliance, because these are business owners that are fed up with the narrative being peddled by the CFIB and the Chambers of Commerce. Well, they can pay whatever they want. I mean, if they want to pay $20 an hour, they can pay whatever they want. I mean, and these are business owners that are, that are challenging the narrative coming from these corporate lobby groups saying that, 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 uh, that it's impossible for, for small businesses to manage. Go to the Better Way Alliance and look up what small business, successful small business owners are actually saying, that they find that when they invest in their employees, when they treat people with dignity and respect, when they give them fair scheduling and paid sick days, they have a more productive work workplace, they have less turnover, and it makes sense because unlike a big corporation, small businesses can't afford to be hiring new people uh, every other week when, you know, when employees leave the first time they get another job. Big businesses can do that because they have whole personnel de- departments devoted to that. Small business owners are, have actually gone on the record asking for the playing field to be leveled so that they don't have to compete with the Walmarts of the world. Well, 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 you're, you're talking about two different categories because small businesses I have talked to have said we need less regulation, we need less labor costs, we need cheaper energy uh, costs so that we can actually keep up. And, and those costs are not going down. So when they got hit with the steep increase, um, and, and it's categorically untrue. I mean, we know for a fact that there are people not able to get summer work. They're being passed over because the jobs... Actually, the youth unemployment rate is better this year than it has been in previous years past. And I will send you the evidence. And all kinds of people who were ideologically opposed to raising the minimum wage made huge predictions that this would be catastrophic job losses for young people, catastrophic devastation. Well, I think 50,000 jobs in January is somewhat... But that's not even accurate. That's well, a misreading of the actual evidence. But you're, you're arguing with jobs, statistics. employment numbers from the federal government. No, I'm, I'm reading the Statistics Canada report, actually, and not relying on cobbled together headlines from corporate media that are just peddling one particular narrative. The reality is in every jurisdiction in North America where the minimum wage has been increased, it's resulted in more hours worked, lower unemployment rates, more money in workers' pockets, a healthy and more stable workforce. That's why the minimum wage was increased in the province. That's why Ontarians expect it to be increased on January 1st, 2019 as scheduled. And it's and, and seriously, it, it, you know, people claim that this was an unprecedented wage increases. These are not even that isn't even true. Well, in okay, hold, <laughs> but it is unprecedented. It it's is not unprecedented. In, Pam, it is. In, 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 no, no, I don't want to talk about Seattle and what okay, they well, did because this was not something. Pam, this Pam, let me talk. Okay, let me talk. This was not something that was campaigned on. This is not something businesses were prepared for. It was dumped on them in a pre-election vote by period. End of That's discussion. It was. True. It, it is true. I was at the technical briefings. I know exactly how it yes, was brought and so in. And it was and not I, done with we any research. That's, so that is just simply not. Well, it accurate. is true. There they did some. They did summer hearings, Pam. 
They did summer hearings with a couple of businesses. Drug in 2013, there has been a four-year campaign talking about the level of the minimum wage. There have been studies after studies after studies after studies. By independent groups, not by the government. The government that put the policy in did not at all do the research. They had summer hearings for a very short time and let limited businesses actually have a say. So any independent business study was that. It was not done by the government implementing the policy. That is just simply not true. Anyway, last point to you because I'm actually up up against the clock. Okay, well, all I'll just say is with respect to the the report, the evidence simply doesn't bear, does not indicate any of the any it does not substantiate the evidence that the Fraser Institute is claiming. People should look at the the Stats Canada report that was published last week. We know that you know the one thing that the Fraser Institute report does identify is that the, the vast majority of low income households don't have income do, do not have workers in the workforce in the household. These are people who are relying on social assistance and their living standards are in abject poverty. This sheds little light on what should be good labor workforce policy, but it certainly suggests that government should be raising social assistance rates to get those households out of poverty. Yeah. But if you well, want to look at... Okay, but, but Pam, I am I'm up against the clock. It's 8.15. I actually have okay. to take a break, but I, I do okay. disagree with you. Uh-huh. You're right. Again, all I'm hearing is increased costs, increased costs, implemented costs on an independent business. So anyway... I appreciate well, you coming on. I have to go. I, it's okay. eight sixteen. I'm now three minutes okay. heavy for my break. Let me just leave you one last thought: is that when workers have more money in their pockets, it makes them they are able to spend it and they become customers in small businesses, and that's why so many businesses thrive when they when the minimum wage increases. Many many businesses don't expect to because they believe what the Fraser Institute says. But when in practice the wages go up, workers spend more, businesses have more customers, and that makes the whole pie bigger. Pam, thank you. I do have. To go, Pam. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Pam Frack is uh, joining me uh, on this uh, tonight. I'm now four minutes uh, heavy. I-, I wanted to give her a chance to say we come from two different worlds, and there are studies upon studies upon studies and studies. But the bottom line is the government did not implement this with any research. Period. And there was, in fact, job loss. But nonetheless, now you've got the other side of this. This is on point here on Global News Radio.